Well, hey, New Life Church, welcome to our digital campus today. My name's Kevin, and I have the honor of being the campus pastor here. Listen, I would love to connect with you today. Right here in our chat, I'll be right here during the entire service, but also right at the end of our digital service today, we're doing a thing called Connect. Some of you already signed up, but some of you can today. And so if you're new with us today, maybe this is your first time, or maybe you've been on here a while and you would love to learn about New Life Church. I know we wanna learn about you and hear your story. I would love to meet you right here on a Zoom uh, video call right after the service. So text connect to this number and I'll send you more information to get on right after this is over. Listen, we're excited today. Pastor Rick is back on here today. He's bringing an incredible word and we're also going to a time of worship. And as we go into worship, I just wanna encourage you to maybe put distractions to the side and focus in on the Lord during these crazy times. And maybe you're feeling fear right now. Maybe you're worried about some things. And maybe today, this is the day where God brings peace to your life. So before we go into worship, I just wanna pray for us right now. God, I thank you so much, Lord, for everybody that's watching today. Lord, I pray that through worship, God, as we lift up your name, God, with all that we have, Lord, that peace would come. God, that you would encourage the ones that are on here, Lord. And I pray today, God, that you would be with us, God, as we hear the word from Pastor Rick. God, help us to learn and grow and make the changes we need to make. So God, be with us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come on, everybody, let's worship God together. Through the fire and not be burned 
Church, so glad to be with you. I love the word. I know you do. I love worship. That song, thank you for the cross. I love when it said, when I surveyed the wondrous cross. In other words, when I thought about it, when I was giving God glory for it, that I was thankful for it. That's what happens. When we stop thinking about that cross, we stop being thankful. But when we go back there, thankful again. I hope you are more thankful than you've ever been. I've been working on that in my heart, in my home, with my friends. Work on that. That's not the topic of today, though, but it definitely relates. They go together. Today, we're going to be talking about why are you so afraid? Like, what are you afraid of? Now, I will admit, in this COVID season, this has been a popular topic. A few times we've talked about it. But if you look at what we did this last week in the reading through the life of Christ, we hit on it again. And we did not plan this. Like, hey, it's going to be election week. There's going to be a lot of tension around all kinds of things. So let's make that week about fear, about tension, about being afraid. No. We didn't even think that way, but the Lord did. I love this series. We're doing the life of Christ, but it is amazing to me how it lays out according to things that we are going through. As a pastor, that's encouraging to me. So again, this week, uh, we did not know that there was going to be heightened amount of fear uh, around this election and around everything else that we're going through. But on one of the days this week, Mark Turnage he did a teaching, and if you didn't hear it, you should go back and listen. It was called The Paganism of Worry. And I thought it was very great because he was ba basically saying, if a non-believer looks in your direction, are they going to see that your faith is different 
than everybody else? Or are you going to have more of a pagan mindset? That's interesting to me. Society is changing, and it's trying to change you. I love Daniel, the excellence of Daniel, right in the middle of Babylon. He just kept his heart towards the things of God, kept holding on to the Word of God. And I think, I think that we all need the Word to almost inoculate us away from the trends of paganism around us. Please, let's live according to the life of Christ and not the data all around us. I believe when we are inoculated by the Word of God, if we can go with that term, and we are holding firm to it, that we won't give away the world and compromise and just like this cavalier, casual, no convictions. We won't give that away, and then we won't receive it when others around us are that way because our face is toward God. A verse to exemplify that, and remember, I'm talking about fear. If you live according to the world while you're trying to be a believer, that's a very insecure place, man. So in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, in the message translation, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. There it is. And you'll be changed from the inside out instead of the outside in. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond without hesitation to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. Many are being pulled away into like a mindset of the world and not the word. And then God brings out the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. That's what I want for me and you instead of the opposite. So again, to be honest, in this season, although today my faith is strong, there's been a lot of times where I've had these moments where I click over into fear. Might be because of the pagan mindset around me, if we want to go back there again. It could be because of the news that I just watched. It could be anything. And then I get anxious and then hateful sometimes and mad, but certainly immature and sometimes even stupid. So with that in mind, I want to talk to you about how to get this back, this faith, not fear back. We got that. Faith back. In the passage of Scripture in Mark chapter 4 and verse 35, uh, it's a story about Jesus when he grabbed the disciples, pulled them away from the crowd to be alone with them and to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Let's pick up the story. It says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, which our best lessons are always learned when we leave the crowd behind to be with the Lord. This could always be great times for you. By the way, are you doing that? Are you spending time with the Lord? Because if you're not, the maturity... It's not going to move in like fear. So to continue, they took him along, Jesus, just as he was. 
in the boat. I don't know what that means, just as he was like, okay, Jesus, we'll let you wear that. But we don't want you to, but just as you are, you can go. I don't know what this means. I really don't. But there were also other boats with him. Sometimes we skip over that. When you're trying to be with the Lord, there might, there might be other people trying to, to copy that. And a furious squall, storm, we don't use that word much. Hey, I saw a squall yesterday, but that's what they're using, a storm. And it came up and the waves broke over the boat, which is not good. You want the waves to be below the boat. Now they're over the boat. So this is a game-changing moment. Over the boat. So that it was nearly swamped. We've heard the word swamp a lot this year. This is a little different than that. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down. And it was completely calm. That's intense. I've never seen anything like that. But I know this happened. But I have seen storms. And storms that caused turmoil inside of me. Storms that made me think that Jesus doesn't care. Storms that make the Lord, even though he's right there, seem far away. And in verse 40, he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? I like the way this is worded in Luke chapter 8. Same story. Uh, Jesus said there, he said, where is your faith? And we're going to talk about that. They were terrified, still loaded with fear, and asked each other. Now the fear shifted. It went from the storm to the fear of God. Peace. When you realize how amazing he is, the storm around you, even if it's not completely calm, it calms. They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. The disciples went over and woke him up. Jesus was obviously in the boat in the middle of the storm. I've heard it taught that if you're in a storm, it's because you're in sin. But no, they're in the middle of the storm with Christ. So there's some theology destroyed for some. So how can we act in faith and not with fear? How can we have this fearless ability to not be intimidated by the storms of life? Number one, I think it's good to ask ourselves, to ask you, to ask yourself, why are you so afraid? Again, he said in Luke the same thing. Where is your faith? Where is it? Uh, my granddaughter, who's a year now, she's walking. Okay, some. Some. She's walking some. But I've noticed that she uh, loves to walk barefooted. So if you put shoes on her, she'll still take steps. But it's almost like, why are you putting this stuff on my feet, I, I could do so much better. Shoes are ridiculous. She thinks that now. But when she gets to walking uh, and you put the shoes on her, she rolls her eyes like, would you please take this? 
these shoes off. But I've noticed that she sometimes has a lot more confidence than other times. And when she has a lot of confidence, she just walk, 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 and she crashes a lot. Like sometimes I'm shocked that she meandered around furniture. Like she could have had a major problem there. There's a table there. There's a clock there. She just moves ahead, and then, then she just crashes. And uh, often, though, she takes steps. And when she takes a step, she looks over to see if you saw it. Like, did you see that? Did you see that? Watch this. Boom. Takes another step. Did you see that? Oh, man, I'm good. Takes another step. Did you see that? I think a lot of people, uh, they kind of live their life like that. Like, they do something for the Lord. Hey, did you see that? Instead of being so mature that walking and following the Lord is just who you are. Like, it doesn't surprise you when you do it. There's nothing, you're not bragging about it. It's just a step and then another step and another step. Like, hey, I am following the Lord. Uh, I never get impressed when I walk across a room. But Ivy does. She's so cute. You should go and look at pictures of her. But when Jesus says, where is your faith? That just seems like a weird question to me. Because he doesn't say, you don't have any faith. He, he doesn't say, why don't you have faith? No, it's where is it? I'm always asking Michelle, Michelle, where are my keys? Michelle, where are my keys? You seen them? Where's my phone? I just had it a while ago, and now I don't. Where is it? I think a lot of us, we, we don't even really know when we've lost it. Like we do a phone or you do your keys or we just lost it. And it's not until a storm hits that we realize we don't have it. But Jesus didn't say, why don't you have it? He said, where is it? I was thinking about like in life, when it gets cold outside, you have a thermostat inside for a heater. And so it's cold outside, so now it's getting colder inside. And so the heater kicks on. I think a lot of people feel like, oh, if the storm comes, then my faith will kick on. Uh, but this, this is just not true. Uh, some with faith may falsely think that during a storm, uh, my faith will automatically kick in. Uh, like a generator at a house. I have a generator. I've never used it, but if I do happen to lose electricity, I can pick up this heavy generator, bring it over to one side of my house and crank it up, and I think it's enough power to light a bulb or something like that. It's not much. But I think a lot of people believe that their faith is like a generator. It's just going to kick in when I need it. <clears throat> but it's just not the way it is. I think, I think it, here's the way that you can explain it. I believe a lot of people just believe they're going to like catch a wave of faith when they need it. But Jesus didn't say, what happened to your faith? Do you have any faith? He said, where is it? In other words, I know you have it inside of you. Why are you not using it? I know it's there. Where is it? So in other words, I want you to take deliberate action and get it out. Similar to the verse that we read in Romans earlier, or Daniel, 
He had the faith, but he didn't mind spending it. And a lot of us, we, we just don't walk around knowing that this faith is important. So when we have a bad day, or our nation is being hit, our home, our marriage, or a teenager, or parents, whatever it may be, we just hope that we catch faith. Now you have it. It's intrinsic. It's inside of you. Where is it? Get it. Number two, faith can only survive when Jesus is what you see. In other words, he has to be what we primarily see. We can still see the storms, but what we really see is Jesus. You only value what you're looking at, what you're pursuing. As a man, I know this, women the same way, but as a man, I know it's true because I have goals and not much is going to get in my way to get to those goals. I'm pursuing it. I'm going to get it. I'm going to hit that mark. But if I don't see it and I'm not pursuing it, it's not going to happen. You're never accidentally just going to stumble upon this walk with Christ. It's got to be what I am pursuing. Matthew 6.33, my son Hunter uh, read this in our devotion this week. He said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So what's the first move? You pursue seeking him, and then all things are added unto you. It's not like, hey, I got everything added, so now I'm going to seek him. No, it's him first. And by the way, I've noticed that everybody ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose, according to the word. Philippians says, and it just exposes what worry can do. Uh, it basically just makes it look like a major nuisance, and it also shows us we don't have to deal with it. Philippians chapter 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. It doesn't just say don't worry most of the time. Like sometimes you should put down worry. No, don't worry about anything. So it gives you a supplemental plan or another option, the option. Instead, pray about everything. So if you're worried, it's probably showing that you're not praying about it. And when you pray about it, you'll notice that you're not worried about it. That's what I see here. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Something about a thankful heart. It just annihilates fear. And then you will experience God's peace. That's the goal. Which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Peace is an incredible guard. That's why we want it. If you lose your peace, you can almost just know immediately that you've lost the safety, you've lost the guard that keeps fear away. So that's why his peace, the Bible says that his peace, he gives to you. It's a peace that you can't even communicate and articulate. It's just going to blow your mind. So I personally think one of the reasons why we do not have peace and we do not pray versus being afraid, I think we're too busy. The disciples in this story, they got away with Christ. Now they were afraid, but they learned so much 
being alone. Like they slowed down to learn. They got a lot done in those three years, but they had these moments where they were alone because of Jesus. He exemplified that. We're busy people, and I think it's a problem. We're looking at too many things, storms and many other things. As a result, we're not sleeping enough. Uh, Again, way too busy. We're not eating the right things because we're way too busy. Burnout is on the rise because we are too busy. It's depleting our bodies and many problems, even in the way that we think, mental health issues. We have so many distractions, cell phones and Facebook and iPad and Netflix and Instagram and music and many hobbies and deadlines and hurting friends. I was reading a study from 2014 from Baylor University and they found that American students spend an average of nine hours a day on their phone. But I was reading during this COVID year, it's closer to 10 or 12 hours a day on the phone. Just looking at data or watching Instagram or Reels or TikTok. So some of you have heard the story about Hunter in a wedding. And I'm not going to tell you now because you probably don't want to hear it. Does anybody want to hear it? Oh, you do. My son Hunter. uh, They asked him to carry my Bible in into this wedding. Just to walk in, hand me my Bible, stand beside me. And during rehearsal, it's kind of a long story, but during rehearsal, he aced it, walked in, hand me the Bible. But the next day, he was afraid. He was acting weird. Fear will make you look weird. So I finally just said, Hunter, are you okay? No, Dad, I'm afraid. Dad, I'm going to mess up the wedding. Dad, I'm not ready. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how fast to walk. I don't know. What do I need to do? And I said, well, Hunter, um, There's going to be a time where they open the door in the back, and when they do, I'm going to be up front, and I just want you to do two things. So what's that, Dad? I said, number one, you look at me, and number two, hold that Bible. And he looked at me, so number one, I look at you, and then what was the other one? I said, hold the Bible. Oh, yeah, hold the Bible, and what's the first one? Look at me. So I look at you, and hold, hold what? The Bible. It was just like all day long we were going through this. So now it's wedding time. I'm up front. And now I'm nervous because I don't know if my son is still on the property. And then they open the door and my little bitty four-year-old kid just staring at me. All his heart and holding on to that Bible. And he started walking. He looked weird, but he was scared. And then I kept giving him signs like, good job, son. He got more and more confident and By the time he got to me, he was like, what's up, people? He was just totally confident at that point. But later on that night, I was proud of him, and it hit me that that's really good advice for me. I was going through a difficult time, and I was afraid. And I realized all I need to do is just keep my eyes on the Father and carry the Word. This is what the Scripture is teaching us. Like, keep your eyes... Where's your faith? Keep your eyes on me. Be a carrier of the word. So back to the story. The disciples saw the storm. Interesting enough, they knew a lot about storms. Many of them were fishermen. I find this very true, that it's usually what you know a lot about is where the enemy likes to attack you. 
and they knew that storms could kill. And some of you, you see a problem around you and you know this could be bad here. And all alone, Jesus is right there. And you don't even see him. And then when they looked over at him, they weren't seeing him then either. They just saw the storm. Jesus, we're going to drown. Their lack of faith, he got critical fast. Uh, that's what I see a lot right now. There's a lot of critical people with a critical spirit. This is one of the most major disappointments of the year. Like people can, who cannot be thankful. They just see all the negativity. And these people, they like suck the life out of you. And then you could have the tendency to be critical right back at them or alongside of them. Just critical. It's like, yes, I see Jesus, but let me tell you about all the things that are going wrong around here. Wow. That's not a peaceful home. That's not somebody who's about to get it together. But not only a critical spirit, but someone loving and enjoying the critical spirit. Like, I love, like, who can I call right now on the phone that will agree with my critical thoughts related to politics or related to the virus or related to something happening in your home? Like, who do I need? Who can I call right now who's going to agree with me right now? Instead of, who can I call right now that will give me a scripture that puts my eyes right back on the Lord? Maybe you don't make those calls because that's not what you want. Maybe you're not in the Word because you don't want the Word. Some of you, you do. You have a critical spirit, meaning you're very negative about everything. Your spouse, your kids, life, your job. So in Mark chapter 4 and verse 38, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? This is the thing. When you only see the storm, and I preached on this so many times, but i got to say it because it's going to be something that you need to know. I need to know it. We need to know it in my home. You need to know it in your home. Single people, high school people, married people, you need to know this, that if you are loaded with fear, and you're not looking to the things of Christ, when you do look at Jesus, you'll think he doesn't care. That's what they said. Jesus, don't you care? What concerns you so much that you become a person who thinks that it no longer concerns the Lord? In this story, we know that he cared. Jesus had to be thinking, Man, you saw me feed the 5,000? You saw me cast the demons out of those people who are bound by them? You saw me raise people from the dead? You, you forgot that I am the Lord and, and I am with you. So here's a question. I think this is a fair question. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? I mean, think about this. Do you believe that he's incarnate? 
born of a manger? Do you believe that he died and then rose from the dead for our sins? Do you believe that he's seated at the right hand of the Father? And one day he's going to come back and he's going to judge those who are dead in him and those who are alive in him? Do you believe that he will reign again for those who call him Lord? (laughs) Then no matter what you face, you don't have to be afraid. If you believe that, you can face anything. I think it's good to know. Did the Lord change them? Or did the Lord just change? He's a God that is unmovable. And I believe when it rains, he still rains. Two different words, but true. Even when fear hits us, the Lord and our faith in him is deeper still. Like, where is your faith? Not do you have it. You have it. Where'd you put it? Why is it on a shelf somewhere? So here's what I've noticed. We all have different storms. What might overwhelm you, you may look and go, why is that person even concerned about this? Like Michelle and I, we have two major fears. They're different. Michelle's major fear in life, and I'm not kidding, she sent a video to our family this week about this fear. It's been eaten by a well. This is her fear. Like, she's not afraid of being stung by a jellyfish in the water. She's not afraid of tsunamis, sharks. She's afraid that while she's in the ocean, that a whale is going to eat her and bring her to the depths of the sea, and she's going to have trouble catching her breath. This is Michelle, her fear. Mine is much more logical. My, my fear, I'm afraid I'm going to take a selfie by the edge of a rock and fall like somebody does every week. Like when's the last time you, you read that someone was swallowed by a well? It's happened like twice in history. One in the Old Testament and another about 40 years ago. But people fall every day off the side of a cliff. Mine makes sense to me. But my family laughs at me because if I go hiking with them, the closer they get to a cliff, the more I squeeze their hands until you can hear the bones breaking. Because I'm so afraid of a cliff. Please don't take a selfie by a cliff. Don't worry about the wells, but stay away from the cliff. Number three and the last one, we must remember his love for us. All right. I was talking to our staff this last week. We got away for a day or two, and I was talking to them about this church of Ephesus. And uh, you know what? I'm just going to tell you about it. In the book of Revelation, he approaches seven different churches, and he calls them lampstands. Actually, what the scripture says is that he's walking among the lampstands. And in Revelation 1, it describes how the lampstands are the church. So these churches who are assigned an angel, each one of them. I'd never noticed that before, that there's like a representative in heaven as an angelic representative over churches. Wow, I think, well, wonder, you know, it's a little weird to think about, but I wonder what our angel's like. Oh, he's big and tough and, and helpful. Uh, but Jesus is walking amongst the churches. But interesting enough, he has something very positive to say about most of them. 
and then something punchy to say to correct them. But the Church of Philadelphia, which is not in Pennsylvania, a lot of things are in Pennsylvania, but not this church. And he basically is saying, uh, this church was amazing. Just positive, positive, positive. But there's another church called Laodicea that he just rebukes them and nothing positive to say. So in a lot of ways as a pastor with embarrassment, I think we're like the church of Ephesus. Man, like a year ago I started preaching that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church, but it can prevail against a crowd. And then the virus hit, and now we don't have crowds anymore. So can we have a church? I think we can. But only if we do what he told him to do. I want you to measure, just like the song we sang earlier, survey the cross. I want you to measure and then when you see the difference between where you could be and where you are, I want you to repent and go back and do what you did when you first loved me. Man, like when you first get married, do you remember you'd open the car door for your wife? You just loved her. Now she's like knocking on the window. Let me in, it's raining. Like a long distance. She used to help her carry things. Now you just yell out, if you drag it on the other side, it's a lot easier. There's a flip. You used to help her with the groceries. Remember, you used to figure out how many you could get in your hand, these Walmart bags, just to see in the indentions in your hand, be there for like two days. And now she's like, grab one bag, get on the phone. Used to open the door to go to the restaurant and then pull out the chair and make sure she was comfortable. And now you still pull out the chair, but it's just for your, for your chair. I heard a wife say to her husband recently, he was telling me about this. She said, you love hunting more than you love me. And he goes, yeah, but I love you more than I love football. <laughs> I'm sure that's not how you close the marriage. So my question to you is, when you look at the way that you used to love God, do you remember when you used to pray like you couldn't believe you could talk to God? You found out you could. When you found out that the scripture was a living word, it was active and that you could memorize it and study it. Remember when you were at church every Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night in small groups and Bible studies. Can you see the height that you have fallen? Let's go back and do what we did in the beginning. One of the things that I've noticed is that people who are here on this premiere video, I had someone tell me just today, thank God because my wife and I are able to participate. They're older and they're just so thankful to have a place to be able to study the Word of God. And, um, but I often wonder how many people are just becoming lukewarm in their faith, like, like I don't really need to get to the house of God or to a Bible study or open up the word. Thank God for the life of Christ. We're in it right now. Thank the Lord for that. Thank the Lord for Connect class where you can even grow further. We're telling you about that this very day. Uh, but my question, it just has to be, like are you fighting to 
to grow again in the Lord. When people come back to our church, the first thing they say is, I forgot what it was like to be in the presence of God. I remember. That's what the church of Ephesus was not doing. They didn't remember. And so the Lord just looked at them and said, please repent for that. The word repent, it literally is like a military term. No matter where you are, you can turn around about face and you can face another direction and God will allow you to repent and change. But then you go back and do what you used to do. Like the woman who was caught in adultery. You have sinned. I do not condemn you. But now repent and go and do that sin no more. Let's learn from it. And I'm convinced that the most secure place you will ever be is when you turn in face toward a loving God. And oh, how he loves us. Man, that's a good move looking back to him. I want to ask all of you to bow your heads if you can. Maybe you're driving down the road and you can't, but you can listen. And I want you to double and triple check how you're doing. Have you lost your first love? Can you see the height that you have fallen? Look, we don't bring up these things to make you feel unclean. Absolutely not. No. We bring these up so you can return to God. That's why we bring it up. I love it when the Holy Spirit convicts me because I know I'm about to grow. But I don't like condemnation because it just leaves you there to die. That's not from God. He wants you close to Him. He wants you close to Him now. And He's in love with you. So if you're not right with God, I think this is a good time to repent. Maybe you've never given your heart to the Lord. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to God. Either way, I'm praying this prayer and then we're going to worship. And I want you to see what happens in worship. Lord, we repent of our sin, which is certainly overwhelming us with fear. We're trying to find our faith in you, God. So we repent and we turn toward you, our loving Father. We just thank you that, that you care for us. And we're falling in love with you. And we know that your scripture says when the love of the Father is with us, the love of the world will not be. And Lord, there's just so much going on in our world. We want to bring this down to just you and me. You looking at me saying, where is your faith, Rick? And Lord, I want it to be on you. Let others have that same sense. Thank you for forgiving us when we repent. We're not saying I'm sorry as we continue to walk in the world. We are repenting and returning to you. We're running at you with all of our heart, soul, and strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's worship God together. Some of you haven't been able to worship in a while but you can now. Let's do it together. God bless you.
Wow, I don't know about you, but I needed that message today on worry. What a great word from our pastor today. Listen, if you accepted Christ, maybe for your first time and rededicated your life, somewhere in this message or maybe at the end, text NEXT to this number right now, and we would love to follow up with you. And we'll do anything that we can to help you on this journey to follow Christ. Today, we're going to take our tithes and offerings right now. And as we do that, we just want to say thank you so much for your faithfulness. Through your giving, campuses that we have all across the state, we're able to do outreaches and reach people that, that have nothing and need a lot of things. So thank you for that. And we're also, through our campuses, be able to see people come to know Jesus Christ because that's what it's all about. So we want to say thank you for that as well. But before we move on, I want to pray for another church right now. And it's a church in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, Pastor Roosevelt Brown. I want to pray for this church and also a prayer of blessing for all of you that are watching today. So God, we just thank you right now, God, for Pastor Roosevelt Brown. God, they're at Family Church in Pine Bluff. God, I pray that you just bless them, God, as they do outreach so well in that city, God. I pray that you bless them with the resources they need. And God, I also just pray a prayer of blessing, God, right now over everybody watching today, God. I pray, Lord, that you would just put a hedge of protection around us. God, I pray that fear and worry and anxiety would be gone in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that you would be with our kids, God, as we raise them and our teenagers, as we raise them and God, college students that might be watching, be with them as they're making a stand for you on their campuses. So God, we just pray that today that you would just cover us. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you did today in all of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Listen, we're about to start Connect right now. If you didn't get to text it earlier, you can text Connect right now. I'm about to join you right after this service. I'll text you the link to jump on our Zoom call right now. God bless you. Have an amazing week.